Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. No, that's it. We're, no, you guys don't even want to join in. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. What a great start to the Seminole Rap podcast here. Another victory. We're, we're doing Sunday nights. I want to call them Victory Mondays because that's when you hear them. So we'll call them Victory Mondays. Uh, Florida State winners again in, I don't know. I remember messaging you guys on Friday night just being like, I want to just come on the podcast and just laugh. Like, what did we just see? What did we just see? It was just perfectly, I don't even know. But it was the game that we've been talking about, Florida State, just can you win a game like that? And they sure did. The final there, 35-31, you go into Louisville on a Friday night and you get a victory. Uh, injuries to Jordan Travis, Jared Verse, uh, Fabian Lovett, uh, everywhere it seemed like. And, and you still find a way to win. Uh, so we've got a lot to talk about. We'll talk about the game. Obviously, Tate's. I don't even know what to call it. Emergence, re-emergence. I don't even, a surprise, just whatever. It was whatever happened Friday night and uh, all the way around. We'll talk that. We'll, uh, no word yet on injuries. By the time you listen to this, we'll probably hear from Mike Norvell on maybe some gamesmanship of what gamesmanship. That's a P that I should have had on the end of that word instead of that T that flipped in there uh, and see what happened on what the timelines. But we'll kind of, you know, give our thoughts on what this team looks like maybe with some missing pieces going forward. But again, it's Brian Peller and John Marchant, Max Escarpio, Seminole Rap Podcast crew. And guys, I mean, wow. <laughs> wow is the way to go. John, I'll go to you first, man. Uh, we were actually cutting up earlier talking about my my voicemail. I was out in Auburn Friday night watching the game at a bar and uh, 
I called Perry and left like a 35 second voicemail that we're going to put at the end of this podcast that you're going to want to hear of me drunkenly just re-hammering to Perry <laughs> about how about our Knowles and stuff. But I mean, how about our Knowles, man? Yeah, I I don't even know where to begin. I don't know what to say. It's uh, it was when felt like it was a long time coming. Uh, it was a ton of fun. They played their butts off. Uh, they found a way to win. They they gutted it out and found a way to win. Uh, of the culture that Mike Norvell has has set, um, you can you can see it right. It's it's right there for all of us to see. Uh, I think we're all surprised by Tate Rodemaker. <laughs> I I still I think I remember the entire timeline on Twitter was just like how 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 did they how how I <laughs> how I don't understand. Um, and I, I haven't had a chance to rewatch the game yet, but. Uh, it's just unbelievable gutsy performance by the entire squad, especially the defense in the second half. Um, you know, Malik, I, t- I said that I said this in the prediction article. I thought Malik Cunningham was going to get his, and he did. But somehow, Florida State and Adam Fuller they found a way to shut them down for the most part in the second half, and that was enough. I mean, Tate Rodemaker comes in, throws a couple ridiculous throws, and then somehow at the end of the, the clock hits zero, and it's 35 31 Florida State. It's just, uh, Wow. Wow is the perfect word. And you mentioned it like it, it, you haven't done the rewatch yet. And I, I again, I did my initial watch in a, in a bar. So it's all uh, not exactly the perfect view of it. But I had the same thing where I was like, man, Tate, what a game in the second half. And I actually looked at his numbers later the next morning. And I was talking with friends and I was like, he was only six for 10 for 109, two touchdowns and a, and a pick. But it just like it felt like you went every time you were like, man, we need a big throw here. He kind of came through and Max it really just it, it was uh, surprised, but he did what he had to do to get the win. Yeah, I mean, it was just like what John was saying. I still have no idea how that happened. People were calling me after the game saying, what just happened? I, I didn't have an explanation for them. I mean, just his connection with Johnny Wilson was just incredible. Whenever yeah. it was third down, whenever it was anything that he needed to do, even if Johnny Wilson was in double coverage, he he was just tossing it up to him, and it was it was just, I, I don't, I still don't have words to keep like, explaining the whole thing and what happened. So far, the three of us have each said we don't have the words. We're three minutes into what should be a 45 minute podcast and you guys are all going to have to listen to us put together words to talk about it. So we're off to a great start. But honestly, even three minutes in, I feel bad that we just said Johnny Wilson's name now. Uh, he was incredible. Seven for 149, two touchdowns, the 70 yard, the 69 yard grab he had during the game. Um, obviously the week one, I guess, yeah, it was week one because zero, whatever, you know, the second game, uh, it was Pokey Wilson. That was the, your, your star that kind of popped there. And then this week it was Johnny Wilson, but even then Malik McLean, uh, you know, honestly, actually, I think both of you have it separately in separate conversations, trying to stake your claim to Malik McLean, which has been fun, but he even had a great grab, uh, you know, these receivers, uh, you know, Tate gets the headlines because no one expected him to make the throws that he made. Um, and obviously, you know, there was the portion of the game where, where Jordan was in there and was just dynamite. But the receivers really were exceptional, uh, especially Johnny Wilson. Yeah, absolutely. I Wilson, six foot seven. Even I made a joke about his hands uh, in the first game against <laughs> Duquesne. But I, I look, I have to say that I was I was wrong about that kid. He is a matchup nightmare for anybody on Florida State schedule. Uh, he mossed Jarvis Brownlee. He. <laughs> But it's it's more than that. It's the body control. He he displayed soft hands. His development and and the he is a true number one threat. The one that I didn't think this team was going to have this year, and here he is, and he's playing even beyond 
I mean, for sure, beyond my expectations, I'm sure he's got to be beyond the expectations of most of, of, of Null Nation, but I can't give enough to that kid. Again, Malik McLean had an unreal catch. Uh, these receivers in general, and, and that's the other two about Johnny Wilson. It's his blocking, man. All these guys block. They give effort. And Wilson especially is just – it's shades of Kelvin Benjamin, right, when he was here at 6'5 and, uh, and a beanstalk about just, just running guys over and on the edge blocking for, you know, Treshawn Ward or Benson. So, I, I mean – I think Max is right. You cannot overstate the improvement that the receivers have shown this season. It's tremendous. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things was when when you saw in the fourth quarter and when you saw going down the line where FSU needed yards, they needed to get in their end zone. You wanted to go to Johnny Wilson, but you knew that that the Louisville defensive coordinator was going after him because when you look at it, Wilson had seven receptions. The second highest reception was two for a couple of receivers. So you knew the ball was going to Wilson, but it still worked. So you kept force feeding him, kept force feeding him, and it kept working and just kept working, which you, you haven't seen in a while for that like wide receiver one for Florida State. We're just like, it doesn't matter who's on him. doesn't matter if the safety comes, you're chucking it up and throwing it at him. What's been the most surprising to me is that he's not just a big body. The, the speed is so surprising. The, the downfield threat at that size and the names that come to mind, I mean, like, you know, like a Kyle Pitts. I mean, I don't want to say he's Kyle Pitts because, you know, it seemed like Kyle Pitts was that once in a generation, even quote unquote tight end. But he's just got that combo of size and speed that's like, OK, that dude's a problem. And, and I was it's really unexpected to be that explosive at that size. Right. And there's a test coming up for them with Clemson uh, in a few weeks. Of, uh, they're going to be probably the best defensive, you know, the background of the safeties and corners that Clemson has. It'll be a big, big test for this group. But, man, uh, the, their play through three weeks so far has just been so, it's so much above and beyond the level that they were at last year. It's It's been a lot of fun. It really is just refreshing. It's just like, yeah. like you know that that's not going to be the biggest problem. You know that like when the ball gets to them or when it's third and long or whatever it is, you have a chance. You have at least a chance. Right. And, and I don't think, I mean, I, this is, I guess, a kind of a natural segue. I don't think you can really have a discussion about the receivers and improvement without really noting, again, how tremendous the development improvement from Jordan Travis has been. His throw to Malik McLean was ridiculous. And Jordan, Jordan Travis, I, he's playing himself into the NFL draft talk, right? Uh, hopefully he can stay healthy and that's going to be an issue for him always. But wow. I mean, the, his placement on some of these throws, his timing, it's just, he is not the same player he was last year, much less two years ago. Uh, FSU, man, if they have Jordan Travis, it's just, they're going to be tough to beat. I think, I think we have to have that conversation that Jordan Travis is the best QB of the big three in Florida, right? Without a doubt. It looks like, um, Tyler Van Dyke has regressed, right? With that new Cristobal's, uh, yeah, a new offensive staff, and Richardson has not played well for for the Gators. So I feel comfortable in saying that Jordan Travis is easily the best, and now he's playing himself into one of the best QBs in the conference, right? Uh, where would you guys place him now? Because I think he's rocketed all the way up near the top. I think probably in the top three. If I'm going to go just quickly and guess, um. I mean, I, I could probably run through them in my head real quick if Max wants to take his guess while I tap dance around for him. But, like, I mean, a guy like Devin Leary was someone before the year we said was better, and he just – he hasn't been. Uh, TBD had his issues. I mean, A&M was – I mean, that felt like a sucker bet where A&M's defense was, was giving them 
enough speed problems where they couldn't just challenge them vertically and it, it required their receivers to make catches that they just seemingly couldn't. I mean, look at that last play of the game. I mean, he had the guy open and dude just had to go right through his face mask. Um, <laughs> but he was another guy we put ahead of there. Uh, surprisingly, Syracuse's quarterback, Schrader, right? He's going to end up yeah. being in the same conversation. We didn't come out of our mouths to begin the year. Armstrong's been terrible. Virginia Sam Tech Hartman. is awful. Sam Hartman, he's opened well. Uh, since he came back in the last was the last two games, right? Yeah, but he did. Uh, he had stretches where he didn't play well against Liberty the other. Yeah, night. they looked rough last weekend, or I say last weekend, literally twelve hours ago or twenty four hours ago, whenever it was. Yeah, I just think the biggest thing with Jordan Travis, even when you look at the Florida QBs like Anthony Richardson and like Taylor Van Dyke, is that he has those. He he has that. It's not. They talk about the dual threat ability, but when you talk about dual threat ability, a lot of times it's like that quarterback can run the ball. That's the main thing you're looking at. Yeah, But when you look at Tyler Van Dyke, he's staying in the pocket. He's not going anywhere. And if he is, he's just going to slide and, and make sure he gets close to the first yard line. And then when you look at like Anthony Richardson against a team like Utah, he was putting his head down and going running, which you can see he didn't completely trust his receivers except for the transfer from Arizona State. And he was focusing more on his run. And that's what Jordan Travis used to do was put his head down after he looked for a little bit and just, just took off. But he's improving that pass game. And he's making sure that he's getting the ball to those receivers, even if he has to stay in the pocket longer than he wants to. Yeah. I mean, I'd agree with that. Go ahead. No, sorry. I was just going to say, I agree with that. He, he, you're right. Travis keeps his eyes downfield. Now he didn't used to do that. Uh, but it's just the accuracy and the ball placement, the decision-making for Travis. That's, that's also really kind of caught my eye. Yeah. I mean, where I was going to, where I was going to go and I, I apologize that I stepped on you there because I was, I wasn't looking at the zoom, but I mean, even in his limited action just this past game, I mean, he was 13 of 17 for 150 two, and two scores when he had the interception. But that if you, that that was almost a game line a year ago, right? That was where he would leave a game and be like, eh, pretty good. I mean, it would probably be 13 for 24 for 152. But, I mean, 13 for 17 and 152 and two touchdowns in, what, a quarter and a half, quarter and some change. Uh, that's marked improvement that your quarterback can – I mean, that was what we we're talking about. Can Jordan throw? Is he going to be able to throw? We know he's one of the fastest players in the sport. And yeah, if you compare him to the other Florida QBs, the ones that are on your, the, like the ones that are on your schedule, he's better. I mean, Anthony Richardson is an excellent runner, but it looks like Jordan Travis last year. It looks like Jordan Travis before that. And TBD is just, again, I think it's just what they're asking to do in a different system is just not clicking the same, which could just be that Diaz just said, hey, go out there and just chuck it, kid. And, you know, Cristobal's like, we're going to play in an offense and do it the way we're supposed to. And the rhythms of that maybe just aren't working with the talent they have that's making it harder. But you can't look at Jordan Travis and argue that he's not. He opened the game, what, 11 for 11, Max? Is that right? I think you tweeted that. Um, I mean, he's just – he is playing the game at as high of a level as a college quarterback can play, which we've talked about all season. He's your most important player, and we wanted – just above average. If he could give Florida State above average, you had a puncher's chance in every game. And if he plays at this level, I mean, obviously this game being a win was what it was and the defense held its own on its end and we could get to that in a second. But, um, you know, even when you lose Jordan, you have enough talent on this team, surprisingly, to win a game like this. Um, But you really can't say enough great things about Jordan. And you see guys like, um, is it David Hale? Got the name right on that one. Yeah, I mean, he's constantly on Twitter week to week, like comparing Jordan Travis's stats to just quarterbacks all over the country. And like, as if it's like, how are we not talking enough about Jordan Travis? Uh, obviously, this injury sucks. 
Uh, and, you know, we can get into how in a bit on how long maybe this will goes. We don't really have that official word yet and how much that's going to mean to this team. But, man, I mean, you really hope when he comes back, whatever that is, you'd rather just, just, I mean, take a game if that's what it takes to get him back to this 100% level that he is at right now because this is lightning in a bottle type of let him rock. It reminds me of, like, when when uh, at the end of – was it um, – was at the end of last season when Bryce Young really caught fire. I mean, just like that, like, I don't know what this kid's going to do, but it's, it's going to work. I'm confident that he's not going to do something stupid with it, which is beyond, beyond what you can get from most quarter uh, quarterbacks in college football. Yeah. I mean, before the season, we were just hoping that this offense would not be one dimensional. Right. And there, right. I mean, Travis starting 11 for 11, just cutting Louisville apart. That's uh, we're, we're beyond that. And it's just the question now is whether or not Travis can stay healthy. Right. And I mean, when the perfect example, when you said if we could try, if we're one dimensional was, you know, I think third and three before the year, I told you, let's line up, get a little misdirection, hand the ball off and hope one of our guys gets four. And at this point, I'm thinking, let's roll Jordan out and see if he can either make a play with his legs, find a guy downfield, let him, you know, let him have the options to make a throw. And that's a lot of trust to have in a college quarterback. Um, The other side of the ball and Max, I'll I'll let you go ahead and, and flaunt your absolute love of Kalen Deloach. Um, and I got to give a, a hat tip. Was it Kevin Knowles with the interception at the end of the game as well? Um, with the, I yeah, mean, that was NFL level professional beauty on the toe tapping on the sideline. But um, I mean, look, 31 points. If you look at the number alone is like, damn, that's not a great defensive performance. Um, but it was enough, right? You made the plays when you needed to. And that's kind of what this defense is built on. And when you see a guy like Kalen Deloach chasing Malik around the field all game long, you didn't have that a year ago, and Kalen's been great. Yeah, I mean, just talking about that linebacker room, like I said before, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record, and hopefully I do. So <laughs> I talked about them before. I talked about Deloach and Tatum Bethune working as a group, and it was just – it looked like – I wrote in the article, it looked like from the start you had Kalen Deloach, just he was tagging Malik Cunningham the whole game. Wherever he was going, he was making – he wasn't worried about the coverage. He wasn't worried about anything. He was making sure – he didn't go in the open field, which happened a couple of times, but he, he obviously stopped big gains a lot of times. And he was making sure that that, that linebacker room and those safeties behind him were doing a good job. And I also have to give a lot of credit to, to Derek McClendon, who I spoke about before in the summer, who I thought was a breakout candidate and he was incredible in Louisville. Jared verse goes down and he gets a bigger role. And he, he showed up even in that last play where he pressured Malik Cunningham, Malik Cunningham got to get out of the, the pocket and make sure he threw the ball. And obviously it was, it was a pick. So shout out to him too. Yeah. Shout out for him for not throwing the ball away and giving himself another down to try and make something happen instead of just and decided to float it out and where someone could reach it. It was just perfect. Uh, John, I want to come to you on this one. And, and, I, and I, I think I know the answer already, but we've talked about a lot in the setup to this season. And we talked about it a lot with Juan on the spot last year was that lose a lot, lose a little, win a little. This game in particular on the road, Friday night, ACC opener, off your big win, and all the things that we talked about. I mean, when we did the preseason thing, it was, man, this is going to be the most important game. Win or lose at Florida at LSU you, or against LSU, you've got to go and win on a Friday in Louisville to set up the ACC schedule. The game's coming up after. October schedule is so hard. 3-0 is crucial. To then go into Louisville on that Friday night with the hope of everything going perfect leads to a win, and you do it. Largely without Jordan Travis, largely without Jared Verse, Fabian Lovett banged up, Robert Scott banged up. You've already had Bless Harris out for the year. 
and you can go in there and have, I, I, just, I don't even want to say the depth. I, I mean, I don't really know what the word is for it, but like the ability to go in and win that game, I guess, program wise, how important can that be? I mean, you're, you're three games in and you're, you're three games away from bowl eligibility where last year it was like, man, if we catch fire, we might be able to sneak into that window. Obviously there's still, you still have to win three more games, but where the momentum is building for this program and Norvell's, you know, Perry wrote two columns this weekend talking proof of concept. And one was like, got to prove it. And then Sunday open Twitter and it's like, damn, he proved it. I guess. How, how have we arrived there already? Um, I, I don't know. How was the question of the day? <laughs> uh, or I guess maybe better. I, do you do you think well, we have? Well, I, I don't think a win like this can be understated for, again, what it does to the culture, right? Because winning winning against LSU, even though LSU is not a great team right there, they're kind of in flux, although they, they did win their game on, on Saturday. Impressively. Is, yeah. Right. Is uh, multiple scores against Mississippi State, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. They uh, – that showed Florida State that they could compete with teams that have more talent than them, right? The teams that they're supposed to lose to. And then to – and I, I do think they were helped quite – Florida State was helped quite a bit by not playing, turning around, you know, the very next week and playing. They got a kind of a little bit of a break. But it's it's about stacking those types of wins, right? And I know this is the win a little year. And, the, and again, we've seen that twice already, two one-score win, uh, one wins. But – following up a win like LSU with another one. I, I don't think that the value of that can be understated, especially the the way that they gutted it out. Right. And, right. and, and found another way to win at the end of the game. It just, again, it reinforces everything that this coaching staff and Mike Norvella has told these kids over the last three years. And I don't think that can be understated. You, you, you start to believe that you can win and then you start to expect that you win. And that's when you start winning by multiple scores. So I don't think that this could be, and again, a lot of a lot of credit goes to one, the defense, and two, Tate Rodemaker. And I think we're about to talk about Tate, but I, again, I want to focus more to answer your question on the culture part of it because I think that's the most important thing. That's what leads them to again. You beat Boston College, you give Wake a really good game. Maybe you win that, maybe you don't, but you start. You know, you challenge Clemson, which was unthinkable two years ago, right? It, you know, they're, they're talking about saying maybe you have a 40% win expectancy against Clemson when two years ago, that was zero. Right. Yeah. And you maybe, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen in a one, in a one game sample size, but you start stacking these wins. If, if Florida state is six and two after eight games and they're bowl eligible, right. They, they, again, they have a really good chance of Boston college is pretty bad of starting four and zero after you started zero and four last season. So that's very much well well within the realm of possibility. I think Florida State opened as a 15 point favorite today. So yeah, again, I don't I I'm curious to see what Max says about this too because I want I want him to answer this too. But it's just it, it's what when I wrote that article last year that I got on ESPN um, about giving Norvell more time. This is what I hoped we would start to see. Yeah, I thought coming into this game, and I wrote it in, in the prediction, was it, it was a mental game for them. They just came off a win against LSU. They came off a 2-0 start for the first time in a while. And it was kind of like, even for the stars like Jamie Robinson, for other players, it was, are you going to act like you just like you just want a bowl game? Like, that's the season. Like Because a year ago, you went on four. So are you going to act like it's something huge? Or are you just going to keep putting your head down and keep working? And that game, obviously, they kept putting their head down and kept working, which I think was, was really good 
was that game brought the coaching staff together more. That game brought the players together more because the trust that that game built within the third man and within the second man, within the bench players, within all that whole team, they trust hate. Now they trust their receivers. They trust their receivers to come back. They trust Michael to block. They trust, they just, they trust these different players to do different things. And that game brought it together. Yeah. And, 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 and I've got a couple of things on everything you guys said, but I, I want to start with the one that I think is most adjacent to what you guys are talking about was that the culture aspect. And again, I've mentioned it already before, but the, if you want to hear the state of my brain while watching this game, the end of this podcast, my voicemail that I left to Perry at one o'clock in the morning at the bar. Um, but they missed the field goal, right? And they put them up seven. And my friend I'm watching at the bar with is like, that's it. There goes Fuller State. And I swear to God, I leaned over to him and I went, it's all about the next play. And I like in the moment felt myself go, oh my God, I just quoted Mike Norvell to a friend of mine who knows nothing about, like, he's not a Florida State guy. He lives in Georgia. We were just at a bar in Auburn. Like, and I'm like, I'm not even a Florida State. You know, I do this podcast. That's my association. I didn't go there. But I'm sitting here at a bar leaning over going, it's all about the next play. It's the next guy up. You've got one more chance. I mean, think about it, man. They gave up the game-tying touchdown to LSU and still went and just blocked the extra point. They don't stop. And I was like, if they got me at the point where I'm looking up going, you know, my nose, look at them. The next play, I'm not even worried. I'm not phased. They're going to go make a play. If I'm actually wearing the colors, if I'm in the locker room and I'm hearing from Norvell and Atkins and Fuller and the whole gang, like I have to believe in that. And, and, and that goes so much more to what Mike has built. And again, it's that thing where I don't want to, I, I, I said it so much last week. I don't want to overreact to one game. Anything can turn on a, on a head. And Jordan's ankle is very much a perfect example of that. But I just, you see the, the will, the, the, the football words that just don't make sense, that you just can't put on paper, that if you put it in the stat sheet, it, doesn't, it just doesn't exist. But you see it coming together. And I thought Max made the perfect analogy, not even an analogy for it, but the trust, right? The guy on the bench looks at the guy next to him and it's in each other's eyes. They know, hey, we've got this. There's still another play. There's still time. We're not going to just quit. It's a mixed field. It's a missed field goal. Let's go get it. And I never, I just, I've had full confidence they were going to get a stop on the last drive. And I, I really don't know why, because, you know, Malik isn't such an electric player, but it was like, no, they've got this. Um, you know, and, and another thing on Max's thing there to, to continue building off it. And then John, are you wanted to get to it? But I mean, Tate, man, I, again, the stat line doesn't jump off the page, but we talked about it before. I mean, even like that, that early window when he first came in before halftime, it was gross. It was like, this is going to be really bad. This is the worst nightmare come to life. Uh, Twitter was talking, gotta be, gotta get Duffy in. He can't be any worse than that. And you know, I don't think Tate's going to go win the Heisman, but I mean, if he's college Jimmy Garoppolo for a week when you're a 15 point favorite against Boston College, I think you can do worse. You know, just like don't don't ruin the game. Let Trayshawn, let Trey Benson, let Toa take care of the ball, throw it occasionally to your Johnny Wilsons and, and get your single coverage and just let your guys win. And I think he proved he's capable of doing that, which was infinitely more than I think any of us expected when the game went to halftime. Yes. And I'm going to throw it to Max too, because I want to hear his, his opinions here in a second. I will say uh, when it comes to Tate, I think 
that really does hit the nail on the head. You can't talk about Tate without talking about trust, right? And the trust that Norval has in him. I remember after he threw that pick, tweeting that he was unplayable. I know a bunch of other people were tweeting that, why is Mike Norvell still playing Tate Rodemaker? He's going to cost him his job. This doesn't make any sense. We've never seen anything from him. It, it just it, why not put in Duffy and play for the future, right? But the trust that Mike Norvell keeps showing in Tate and showing in Tate, uh, it paid off, right? How can you say that it that it didn't? That first, um, oh, what was it? I think it was almost like a bang eight slant to Johnny Wilson over the middle. He can right with two guys just come in and just sandwich Tate, just blow him up. And he gets that completion and it's a first down. It's just, I think that's what gave him the confidence, right? And again, I I think part of it, looking back at that, I'll have to rewatch the game and I might have more thoughts, is it seems almost like Tate thinks too much. It, whenever he's got a guy bearing down on him and he's just got to throw it, right? Instincts just take over. Again, he had the bang eight to Johnny Wilson, and then he has the the um, which is a brilliant play design. Again, I've loved the play calling for for this the offense this year. It's been unbelievable. I don't I don't think we've talked about that enough to be honest with you. But the one where Johnny had the post right, it was actually a counter to a play that Florida State had run before. Yeah. Um, with the uh, the curl the out the flag, right, and then they come back with Johnny in the post. Two of the, the defenders had bit down because they ran that play. I think it was to McDonald earlier. And then Johnny comes around on the post the other side of the field. He's wide open. Tate gets blasted as he throws it, but he has perfect ball placement. He leads Johnny right to the ball, lets Johnny run, uh, Wilson run underneath it, and it goes for 50 yards. Uh, I, I don't know how you could say enough about this kid who just gutted it out, but there's clearly something there. Norvell had obviously seen it. Now, again, I think I think it's inconsistency is going to plague uh, Rodemaker until uh, Jordan Travis comes back in the game, but – Again, I think trust is the the story there between the two of them. And you saw it in the press conference after. You saw when Norval said – you heard it in his voice where he said, I knew it. I knew it. He said, like, <laughs> yeah. I trusted Tate. I trusted him to win this game. I trusted him to throw the ball. And it didn't look like that in the first quarter. It looked like they were going to go into the halftime thinking, what, what else do we have or what are we going to do? Right. But you talk about that trust that Norval had in him and – you can see that he has it in every player. He said, this program isn't meant for everyone. And you can see that every single player that steps up, he has that trust in them to keep going. Like like those special teams players who sometimes like Wyatt Rector, who does very good on special teams, Shane Brown, just every single player is doing their job and he trusts each each and every one of them. Right. And he may have been doing the same thing with, with Fitzgerald, the kicker. It's just, you know, Tate, Tate rose to the occasion and Fitzgerald did not. I, I don't think FSU has any other options at kicker besides Fitzgerald. So I'm sure he's going to, you know, have to give that kid another shot, but maybe, maybe we see a few more fourth down attempts. And uh, I was, uh, go ahead. When I was listening, when I was listening to the ESPN broadcast, we saw them hand the ball off towards saw the, saw them hand it off to, to Trey Benson. And you thought, just like Brian said before, they're just going to keep running it the entire game and see what happens if a big gap opens and I heard the broadcast. They say, all Tate needs to do is hit those slants, hit those five to seven yards or whatever he needs to do to just open this run game a little bit. And right when they said that, Johnny Wilson goes straight through the middle. Tate just just throws it over to him. And I, I remember looking at my screen. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Because that's just right there. Just that play alone opens up everything. And then 
he drops back another time and you're thinking, oh, what's going to happen? He's going to throw out of bounds. He gets out of the pocket and starts running. And a lot of people didn't like realize that. And that I think that part of that has to do with the trust that he has in Alex Atkins and, and Norville to make sure that he does everything for them on the field and make sure that that offense is open for his running backs and everyone there. Yeah. And I, and I think when you look it, it, again, it wasn't an amazing performance on paper. It wasn't an amazing over, like, I don't think it's a sustainable from now to the end of the season kind of thing, but for a night, he made the plays you needed. And there's a sense of confidence that if you have to have him again next week, and again, we can go to Jordan in a second here, but if you had to have him next week against a team you should beat, that you can line up and do your run games like you normally would, and you just need to ask him to do a few things, he has the confidence he can, the coaching staff has the confidence he can, the receivers have the confidence he can, and that's invaluable. Uh, the, the name that also came to mind as you were talking about it, and this is wonderful, but um, when you were talking about Norvell and the belief he's got in everyone, just made me think Ted Lasso. I don't know why, just the way you were talking about it, it just felt Ted lasso And I don't want to make him sound like he's some kind of like totally out of fish, out of water thing, but just like that, like, power of belief we can do it together but i mean that stuff works like it works i mean they're all doing the same thing right oh they're all recruiting the same guys they're all trying to you know money and other things but the coaching staff the the play calling and john you did great on that talking about the play calling as well um which actually brings me another point you mentioned lsu and, and them beating mississippi state this week um they shut down um that passing attack lsu did and, and it's um you know that's a mike leach offense at, at mississippi state uh, five wide the whole game, four wides, uh, lots of fancy passing concepts, and they really had a hard time passing on LSU. Jordan Travis did not. I mean, that FSU passing game made LSU's DBs look bad. And I, at that point, was like, well, I just guess LSU's DBs aren't that good. And then here we are two weeks later, and they shut down a full air raid five wide attack, um, which, again, the, the next night I said, went, you know what? We're going to do transitive property things, but – Again, Florida State a little more confidence. Not, not a fluke. That was a that was real against a better than I thought defense. Um, one other thing that came up too, but that we mentioned the scheduling. You know, John, you said it was great that they had the extra week in between. I assume they chose to move this Duquesne game on their own um, out of the way because LSU played. They didn't have a week zero. They had a week one, and then they played Southern in their week two. Um, so I assume that was an FSU decision. Which great call, athletic department, whoever made that decision to move the Duquesne game up, great. Get the warm up in before LSU. Take the bye week after LSU and get set before ACC play was just phenomenal, and that's something a a great program should be thinking about. Take a week zero game that really means nothing and be set up ready to go. So that's a great job there, uh, Max. I do want to go to you. You're our um, our guy on campus, our, our our resident youngster that keeps us that keeps us young, our fountain of youth. Uh, I was going to see how many I could go before he cracked a smile, but he literally held like a statue staring me in the face. Um, on the guys that are injured, the, the Fabians, the Jordan Travis, uh, and all the way down the list, what do we know now? When do we expect to know more? I'm assuming at Norvell's presser, probably at noon, we'll see if he says anything, but, but what do we know? And, and I guess where, where does that stand now? We don't have to go, you know, speculation, there's rumors floating around, but I guess, where are we at with any of that? Yeah. And just, just to tell you on the schedule before I remember when Norville heard about it when he heard they had that Duquesne game before and heard like how the schedule was set up I remember the smile on his face and like when he had a press conference after he knew that like what he was going to be able to do with that having right. for LSU and then 
going into the ACC. And I saw like how happy he was. And he was like, I, I was like, Oh, why is he acting like it's like, like such a big deal. And it obviously has been. Yeah. So, and I remember him being just super happy about that, but like going to the injuries, um, other players that, that didn't talk about and other people are not like, like going over their head, which were big players last year were players like, like Ja'Kai Douglas, Amari Gaynor, and then Winston Wright, who needs to come back in and, and help this wide receiver room. So those players still need to come back too for the nose, which is going to help them a lot. But kind of like Robert Scott, I don't know how long he's going to be out. I don't know what the injury is fully yet or, or what that's going to look like, but that's a big loss on the, on the offensive line. I mean, you've already had multiple offensive linemen down. So I think I, I, mean, I could be wrong, but I, I don't know if the, the Fabian Lovett is, is too serious. I'm assuming they're having him back like soon. I don't know if that's week to week. I don't know if that's day to day, but I, and I can't just, just guess on that. Oh, uh, just like we said, Jordan Travis, they're going to probably talk about it on Monday or Tuesday. Um, the guys are going to go over there on Tuesday, probably for practice. So we're going to see how that works. And we talked about the, the trust that they have in Tate. So they have Tate there. They have other guys ready to step up. Uh, the other injuries, who, who's the other, I think. Um, Jared Verse. Yeah, Jared Verse. <sighs> Jared Verse is a guy that like we talked about before the podcast. He may not be ready, but he's going to tell himself in his head that he is ready. And he's going to be saying that even if the, the doctor or medical staff tells him anything. So I think he just like, like off, like pure mentality and all, all like whatever he's, he's different in the head. So whatever that is, he's going to make sure he comes back quicker than we think or quicker than, than other people think. And um, they have options at the defensive end line like Derek McClendon, like other players that we talked about before. So I, that's another player where I don't assume he's out for the rest of the season. I can't guess on how long that's going to take, but there's, there's backups for that role. And then the biggest issue I'd say for the backups are going, is going to be Robert Scott. All right. So just, uh, and if you heard the loud bang here, you might have, it was my computer falling down and knocking out the zoom, but Max, thank you for filling in while I, and carrying that clean through. Way to go. But it, it does seem like the sense is hopefully Jordan – and you mentioned Tate, right, and and being probably where you got the confidence in him. I, I would probably expect Tate this week. I don't think you really want to force Jordan, Jordan out there too quickly. Um, but, again, this is all speculation, and I, I honestly don't expect too much in the way of clarity from Norvell on Monday. I assume they're going to play some some gamesmanship with, with Boston College there and let them try to figure out who it's going to be. Uh, by Saturday, since it's not like the NFL where they have to release an injury report each day. Um, I imagine you'll probably see Tate play this one since you are a two touchdown favorite. Um, but who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe Jordan is, it, it does seem like he'll be back sooner than later. Um, you know, that I guess that's the positive, right? It, it seems like each of these guys isn't expected to miss the year. Um, but we'll see. I mean, again, it's, it's, it's kind of hard because they get injured on a Friday night in another uh, another state where, you know, it, it's not like you're going to see them walk from the the stadium back to their dorm or something. You know, it's it's they're going to load up on a bus and a plane and arrive in the middle of the night and go back to their place. Um, but I mean, John, to go to you, I, 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 are you that if if it's maybe a week or two for Jordan, how concerned are you with the Boston College and with with the? I mean, obviously, I think you get more concerned probably the week after. But I guess where are you at with? You know, if he comes back limited, where where do you see this team being at that point? So that's a great question. 
Uh, I'm not that concerned for Boston College. I think Tate is more than enough. I think the big thing for Boston College and the reason why FSU is a two-touchdown favorite is Boston College's offensive line, right? They were giving up 50% pressure rate, which is insanely high. And that was before the right tackle just tore his ACL and went out for the year. Yeah, I, I think they've lost now three starting offensive linemen and a starting tight end, I think is what I read. Yeah. So their issues are they can't protect Jerkovic at all. Uh, and so to me, the bigger loss for Florida State against Boston College is not Jordan Travis, although he's a humongous loss in every game. It's Jared Verse, right? Yeah. Because if they can't do anything on offense, you're going to win this game, even just running it. And I, I don't think their defense is all that much to write home about either. So I expect Florida State to, even with Tate, and again, this is, I mean, look, if Tate if Tate has a good half against Louisville, but if he implodes and throws three picks, I mean, Florida State's not a guarantee to win this game, but they're a two-touchdown right. favorite for a reason. So BC doesn't scare me. I am expecting Florida State to be 4-0 after starting 0-4 last year. Um, it's, it's the weight game. I think that you really want, love it, and – I mean, love it would be great if he came back for Boston College. It would help, uh, I guess, mitigate the loss of Jared Verse. But if you've lost love it and Verse for Boston College, well, then, I mean, their greatest weakness, you're not taking advantage of it as much as you'd like. Yeah. I, again, either way, I still expect FSU to win. It's The issue is Wake Forest. I think Wake Forest is still very good. They did not look nearly as good as you would have expected against Liberty. So I think they are more vulnerable than we thought they were to start the year. But I think okay. Wake is good. I, well, I, I just I'm going to sell into this just saying I think Wake is a really, really, really good test. And for that, if FSU wants to win, you need them to be as healthy as possible. Yeah, the one thing I was going to say there was, you know, we're expressing a lot of confidence in them beating Boston College. And, and I do want to mention, obviously, last week was a great win because it was such a surprise. But it was a surprise for a reason, right? Like when Tate came in, there was the expectation this is going to go poorly. And it did quickly. And then it didn't after halftime. Um, so maybe part of that is they had the ability to go in and say, Hey, here's the plays that Tate is comfortable. Hey, what, what are you comfortable with? Let's run those. And that might work. Um, so I wouldn't be horribly surprised if this game is closer than we think it should be. Um, but I think our confidence in it is coming more from Boston college being not good. Like, right. like the being we're so the conference bad. Yeah. Like that, like you mentioned, they've lost the, the three offensive linemen. I think their best off their best defensive player was hurt either in the first game against Rutgers or maybe in the preseason as well. Um, they're just they're just a really banged up team. They've got the skill guys. I mean, between Jerkovic uh, at quarterback and Zay Flowers a receiver, and uh, is it Darwo? I think is running how you say his name, the running back. But they, I mean, those guys are fine. Um, but it's the, it's the trenches where they don't have it, where you should be able to win this game on its own. Max, anything that scares you in the next handful of games with injuries and the combination of what you've got looking at you? I mean, of course, Wake Forest, you have to have, you, you have to have Jordan Travis and you have to be hundred percent healthy, not hundred percent, but just, just be the, the players that you need on the field. But talking about Boston college, I don't want everyone to just write this one off. Yeah. Making sure like, Oh, this is a win. Let's move on to Wake Forest. I don't want the players to do that. I don't even want the fans to do that because you saw Tate just, when you're thrusted into that backup role and just thrown in the game, you don't, I don't know if this is too much to say, but you don't have much to lose. 
So you're just doing whatever you can. And they, the coaching staff, other people in the administration knows that. So you're just doing whatever you can. The ball's open. You have those open plays like Johnny Wilson. So Boston College has the film that they need on Tate Rodemaker like they did in the second half. They have Obviously, they're going to run more plays and, and run more schemes on what Tate can do. But they have the film that they need, and they're missing a couple pieces. So I wouldn't just write this game off. Boo. Boo. <laughs> Knowles by three. Score. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, no, no, I, mean I, ha- I have the Seminoles winning this game, but it's just, just, just let's calm down. Let's not think that Tate's going to just go crazy. Let's not think that he's going to have like a super high completion percentage. That's just Tate. And he doesn't need to, he doesn't need to go crazy as long as the defensive line, as long as the safeties are in this game doing their job, he doesn't need to, but I don't want people to think that he's going to go out and, and do what he did in the second half. I think a perfect example of that would be if they drive down the field and they run, they lean on the run game and they get to the 35, they get to the 30 and maybe there's a holding and you end up in a field goal situation, and I don't think anyone has any confidence in them making field goals. And so if you go, you know, two of four on field goals and you stall out too many times in the red zone, there's a disaster waiting to happen right there. Uh, John, I cut you off. No, I was just – hold on. I'm looking up – I'm looking up there. Uh, okay, so – The FPI, is that what you're looking for? No, no, no. no. I'm okay. looking at Boston College's schedule. So they lose to Rutgers by one point, 22-21. They lose to Virginia Tech by two scores, 27 to 10. They give up about 50% pressure rate against their quarterback. Uh, so they have zero pass protection. And then they beat Maine, who it's Maine, 38 to 17. They have played nobody like Florida State. Uh, it, Max is right. I don't want to say, oh, Florida State's definitely going to win. I, I don't think that this program is at that point, to his credit, to his point, that you can just, you know, oh, that's an automatic W. Uh, but I, I do think uh, I do think Boston College just has absolutely no idea. They have they've not seen anybody this year that has remotely the talent that Florida State does. And I do think it's worth pointing out that Florida State's talent is mostly based off of the portal. Besides Jordan Travis, yeah. this team would not be three and zero without all of the transfers that that Mike Norvell has brought in. And I think that I hope that they're pounding the recruiting trail, telling these kids especially if you're a kid who wants to come from Georgia or Ohio state or, or Alabama or Texas or anyone else who's got some talent. Hey, you know, you come here and I, I, you will become a household name. And that's what he's done with a lot of kids. It's even better than I, I, I saw this call before, even going back to last year, I thought the portal, the transfer portal, I'm getting a little off, I'm off target. I'm sorry. Off track. I thought, but I <laughs> can't good. help myself. I thought the portal was more of like a NFL free agency, right? It's a lottery. You just, some, some players will do good at your program and some won't uh, just like you could have a pro bowler in the NFL and you sign him up, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. The hit rate that Norvell has gotten in the portal has been incredible. Uh, and I think that's a pretty good selling point for FSU. So hopefully, you know, if recruiting picks up and they get, you know, kind of blue chip percentage they want, you don't have to rely on the portal as much, but it's a, it's a pretty fun selling point. But anyway, back to my thing is because of guys like first, and then you have Cooper and love it and all these other guys, hopefully love it plays. I just think they're going to chew up Boston college's offensive line. And I think 20 points might be enough for FSU to win this game. I, it's, yeah. it's what you were talking about before too. It's like, we're mainly, I mean, at least, some of us are mainly focusing on Boston college's roster and seeing what they have compared to even Florida state's backups. 
So yeah. mainly focused on they don't have that offensive line. They don't have that tight end. They don't have those options with the receivers. So I guess, yeah, we are focused on them. And I'm not saying Florida State can't win this game by 17 points, 14 points. I'm just – Right, right. Uh, I'm just saying that, like, the, the backups are playing. And I think you need to play this as, like – you you don't need to just run up the score on Boston College either. I think you need to, like, like chill out, make sure everyone's healthy – Make sure you, you rotate some of the guys and make sure some of the guys rest and, and get ready for that Wake Forest game. So just just secure that win, and, and you don't need to beat them by, by 20 points. You can't. Oh, yeah. I just want to be clear. I think you're 100% correct. You cannot yeah. take any you, – you want it is a culture test. You're not wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, you had the big emotion winning against LSU. You came in and gutted it out against Louisville you have to show that you're not going to just come out flat against Boston college, which they have done before. It's not that long ago that this team quit on Jimbo Fisher against Boston college. So yeah, it's definitely a culture test for them. You want them to come out and treat it as a, a business trip, right? So to speak to use a common college football <laughs> lingo, but yeah, you want them to come out and stomp them. You want them to have the attitude, like we're going to work and we're going to destroy whoever it is that we're playing this weekend. That's what you want to see. If they come out flat, you know, uh, anything can happen. Yeah, and I think it's. But looking, I was looking at their uh, some of the national numbers on like their their play, and you write about their schedule. And obviously, Rutgers and Virginia Tech and Maine don't really inspire like woo. Um, but you know, I remember last year we talked time of possession a couple times, and and Juan was like, "That's not a real, not a real great stat. You can just play slow or play fast. It's really plays." Um, I just looked at like first downs, which I think is an interesting. And Boston College is like 120 something in the country in first downs. Like it's not an offense that's moving the ball. Um, and if you could just just keep the, just get the ball back, right? That's it. Just limit them, lean on them, do uh, the App State Texas A&M thing, the thing we talked about last week. I got. I guess maybe what we talked about last week were what we hoped L, uh, FSU would do at Louisville, right? Just trust your run game. You can do it. Don't turn the ball over let Jordan make his plays and let's get out of the stadium alive. And in this case, it would just be, you know, trust your run game and trust your defense. Don't do anything crazy. Don't, don't force Tate. Don't fall in love with Tate. Just play your game and don't turn the ball over. And it, that should take care of itself. You know what? I just forgot. Would you forget? I think on Marion Cooper, that kid is really good. I think he got in on a couple snaps against Louisville, but we haven't really seen him start and play to what he's capable of because he's not 100% healthy. That kid is ridiculous. I mean, if you think about it at one point, right, they were playing without Lovett, without Jordan Travis, without Jared Verse, without Amarin Cooper, right? That's your first op- option at every position there. Yeah, and <laughs> and they lost uh, some offensive linemen. I think Gibbons went down for a little while. You lost Robert Scott, and they still won that game. That's That's ridiculous. It doesn't make sense, which is part of what's terrifying about it, right? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But, you know, that's it. You got the win and, and you get to move on. And before – I know we've been going for a while here, but before we, we wrap up, um, do we want to laugh um, at, at at either Miami or, or Florida at all? Um, Every day. I, I mean, boy, I was hate watching that end of that USF-Florida game so bad. I was like – I was so mad when that kid snapped that ball past him. I was like – I wanted that win so bad. I, I, I don't, I mean, you know, I mean, I've just, it's because uh, I hate Florida down to every fiber of my well, body. If USF wasn't so bad, they would have won that game. Yeah. Which is yeah. kind of a stupid, funny statement, but it's true. 
Well, and I was talking about it with my friends as we were driving back to Atlanta from the Auburn game. And I said, um, if USF were to not snap the ball past the quarterback and just like ran the ball three straight times, and let's say they get in the end zone there, right? And they win. Billy Napier's one and two within and gets his ass handed to him by Kentucky, loses to USF at home and was an interception of the goal line away from losing to Utah. When after week one, they like jumped Florida, like number eight in the country. And we're like, Billy Napier is the greatest hire since Nick Saban. Anthony Richardson's the best college quarterback since Cam Newton. And I was like, boy, we, the world anointed them real fast for beating Utah. They are not there. Um, and then good for Jimbo. Congratulations, Jimbo. Good for you. <laughs> I mean, I think Cristobal is a great recruiter. Uh, going back to Oregon, it just seems like the game day aspect of this coaching just isn't quite there. Yeah. And with the uh, Van Dyke potential regression, I mean, they lost Restrepo too. Restrepo is easily their best receiver uh, for Miami. It's just, um, I don't know, man. I I think there were legitimate criticisms that Oregon had, the fan base had against Cristobal. And I think some of those kind of showed up against Texas A&M. Um, and so that obviously Jimbo has his own issues going back to Florida State that are showing up at Texas A&M. But Napier, man, I've been kind of not impressed with him. I was kind of worried about him when they hired him. And I haven't really seen it. Um, Richardson, a fantastic athlete, but he just, I think the book is out on, on how to defend against him. You know, you play zone and kind of maybe do do some like zone blitzes, or you know, you kind of take some guys that are run blitz, you know, play zone behind it, kind of thing. He's struggling to read a coverage. It's just, um, it's a great time to laugh at them. I think I, I, there's definitely more losses <laughs> coming. That's all I'm going to say. I don't. I look, Florida State could lose to both of them, but they're um, they're. I just don't think. Look, I, I tweeted this over the weekend, by the way. There may only be one good team in the whole country, and that's Georgia. I, uh, you know, Florida I think State, so. I, yeah, Florida State, I think is easily going to make a bowl game this year, but I, they, everyone might be bad except for Georgia. That's the way it looks right now, anyway. Yeah, and, and obviously everything can change, but uh, I, I know heading into the week one game, it was like Florida and Miami Twitter reunited to sit around and watch FSU <laughs> get their ass handed to them by LSU, and then they they FSU wins, and it's like, yeah, but that was lucky. And now we're sitting here like, okay, so what are you guys going to talk about now? Because you you got out of the stadium alive against Southern Miss, outgained AM by like 200 yards, still lost, should have lost to USF, should have lost to Utah, got your ass handed to you by Kentucky. But you guys had a lot of fun watching us win. Get out of here. Look at yeah, that. I mean, that's part of the smirk that every Florida State fan has on their face. The the little like like they're happy about the three and zero start, but they're just happy that like because you saw everyone saying the the state of Florida's back, but that doesn't look like it right now. It looks like like Florida State is climbing back up, but it doesn't look like everyone else is around them. Max with the line of the night, clip <laughs> it, clip it. I love it. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, man. somebody tweeted it out. They're like. If you see Miami, Florida, and Florida State play, how can you say the Florida State is the only team that's supposed to be unranked? Yeah, right? it doesn't make sense. I don't understand and, how they're not ranked. I, I, didn't, I didn't understand how they were not ranked after the, after week one. I didn't, I didn't make sense to me either. Right. And Miami may still be a better team than Florida State. They may still beat Florida State in, in you know later this year. But over the resume of what they put on the field so far this year, I don't see how you say Miami and Florida should be ranked and Florida State not. It doesn't make any sense. Right. What, what has Miami done that Miami's beaten – USM and Bethune Cookman, and they lost to Texas A&M. And FSU has gone basically on the road to Louisiana, beat LSU, gone on the road to Louisville and beat Louisville. And 
handled Duquesne, which they were supposed to. And then you look at Florida, I guess Utah, you could say maybe, but did we overrank a Utah team? Was that just a Utah team that got tired in the fourth quarter of having to run around in swampy mess of that part of Florida or like what? You know, I just don't. I think a lot of resumes doesn't make sense there. No, it doesn't. I think a lot of West Coast teams, and we saw the same thing with BYU. It's just a lot of the West Coast teams, I know they got, they got ran by Oregon. But really, yeah. a lot of the West Coast teams just don't have the talent or the size in the trenches to keep up with teams. Like, they just don't, right? Yeah. I mean, going back to uh, that one game, was it a bowl game or something? FSU destroyed Wisconsin in a bowl game a long time ago. It's even a lot of the North teams, the Big Ten, out in the West. They just don't have the, either the size or the speed. And Utah was just – they were small up front. And I wasn't surprised that Florida won that game. But – I think a lot of the SEC teams or Southern teams would have beat Utah. So I'm not saying they're a bad team. It's just they don't have the size up front. Yeah. Well, lots to lots to get get excited about if, if you're a Florida State fan. Hopefully these injuries, again, we'll get the updates coming through. This is part of football, right? Dudes get hurt. And, and unfortunately for Florida State, it seems like it's all the important names all in one week. Uh, but, you know, hey, again, it's Victory Monday, right? It's it's a 3-0 start to the season. You're halfway to bowl eligibility. You're one to know in the ACC. I don't know if that's first. Has anyone played two games? Probably Syracuse or something, right? They're probably the best team in the country at this point. But you know, you're three and zero. Let's get excited. You know, let's let's talk about our no. Oh, I got the uh, the voicemail. My voicemail is at the end of this, so make sure you hang on for like another like thirty seconds so you can hear me leaving messages for Perry, who runs our website. It was a wonderful time. Uh, but until then, man, for Brian, John, Max, that's a wrap. Tate. Tate, Tate. Oh, man, how about our nose, huh? I mean, how about our nose? Our nose, yours nose, my nose, the nose, the nosiest nose. The nose are the nose. I mean, the nose. The nose. The Florida State Seminoles. FSU, the Seminoles. Nose. Nose Nation. Our nose. What a game. The nose. Here's Courtney. Hi, Terry. We miss you. Our nose. 